God loves a terrier. Yes, he does. God loves a terrier. Schlocking Awe, the double feature podcast that celebrates all movies from the sublime to the suspicious. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins, and this week we're going to the dogs, and I love it, with a double feature of Christopher Guest's Best in Show and Lewis Teague's other great animal attack movie, Cujo. Um, and here with me, uh, I'm really excited because they um, are the hosts of the one of the coolest pod, uh, movie podcasts around, and where I usually get my vinegar syndrome. Uh, recommendations from um uh, of course that is unsung horrors um and first up it's of course erica hey how's it going erica i'm doing really well thanks thanks for having us back yeah no thank you for coming on and of course it is erica's um great co-host it is lance hey how's it going hey Lindsay. hey how good how are you <laughs> good thanks for having us no, thank you for coming on. Sorry it's been too long for me to get you back on here. Um, but I've had, you've suggested this double like last, like almost two years ago. And I've had it sort of sitting in the back pocket of, oh yeah, Best in Show and Cujo would be an amazing double. So thank you so much for coming on for this. Oh, no problem. Yeah, no, I was really excited when, yeah, because this was, I don't know, it was an idea that I was really happy about. So I think it's, I'm just excited to talk about these two movies together. Yeah. Yeah, and I was sort of watching them, I sort of realized that um, both of them mostly let the dogs just be dogs. Uh, Cujo's got a bit of performance going on, but most of the time he's just kind of laying by a car or just kind of looking around going, don't get out of that car, don't get out of that car. Oh, you're getting out of that car. Okay, now I have to sort you out. But most of the dogs in these movies just get to be dogs. Um, And as I was asking um, off mic, Erica, you do actually have some fur babies. I do. I well, I do have one cat, um, mm. and uh, I have to lock the door when we record; otherwise, she'll come in here and, and want to participate. <laughs> oh, I know that um, feeling. <laughs> but I do have uh, two dogs. I have Boo Boo. She's mm. uh, twelve years old, and she is a Boston French Bulldog mix. Mm. And I adopted her when she well rescued her when mm. she was a year old. She was in a pretty bad situation. Um, and then my other dog, Kitty, is she's a I think she's a pit bull mix. I'm not quite sure mm. what she is, but yeah. she's uh, she's eight years old and um, she is she is an innocent. She is the sweetest dog on the planet. She she's got this derpy little walk. She's got mild cerebral hypoplasia. So she like oversteps when she walks. And um, yeah, it's. It's adorable. I love my I love my babies. Yes, I um I've been sort of saying uh, since I unfortunately lost my fur baby last year, who I also had to lock the door every time I recorded because he would be up on the keyboard right now and headbutting <laughs> the microphone, going, "What's going on?" Um, it 
And so I've just kind of adopted all the neighbourhood dogs. There's an old um, Staffy who every time sees me runs up to me for head scratches. Bongo, awful name for a, for a Staffy, but mm. he is the most gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous boy. Um, and my neighbours, uh, she is a um, terrier and chihuahua mix um, oh. that always forgets that she knows us for two seconds growls and then realises, oh, I get head scratches from them. <laughs> and, um <laughs> It's yeah, Barty. She's she's great. So um, yeah, this is even though Cujo is like the very actually really well done animal attack movie. Um, we'll get into it, but uh, no, I, I I loved love Cujo. Cujo's Cujo's my boy. <laughs> I've always um, wanted a big dog, but mm. I'm just so like now I need a short haired dog. It just seems like so much maintenance. Yeah, our, our neighbor had a bull mastiff for a while named Evie, and that dog probably weighed 160 pounds. God damn. And I mean, it was just as big as like Cujo, yeah. uh, if not bigger, just more impressive. She was the sweetest dog, though, but yeah. just prepare for the slobber. Yeah. <laughs> and the poops. I had a friend who had like three Great Danes, oh, and God. I was like, you just take garbage bags with you on walks? <laughs> My God. <laughs> Oh, no, we had neighbors who had uh, two gray- greyhounds, and they are kind of the equivalent big dog in a short dog body. But, mm-hmm. yeah, their poops were insane. I used to, when they were away, we used to take care of them. Um, and, oh, my God, I was like, but you're just, like, legs. How How is this much coming out of you? I don't understand. <laughs> Burning off all that energy. Just, just eat a yeah. lot. Yeah, they, they do. They eat a lot. Um, and before we get on the double, as I said, you are the hosts of Unsung Horrors. And um, we're recording this in April, but this will probably come out in May. But you're doing a whole blood or April of blood or blood April series at the moment. Yeah, April showers of blood. Yes. So, um, for that, we we both um, each month we both get one pick, and so the movies we pick have uh, blood in the title. And uh, yeah, so we just had uh, oh my god, bloody sect mm-hmm. come out. Uh, fun Spanish horror movie that's got a vinegar syndrome release. Um, and then uh, next blood episode, we're going to be diving into some Ted V. Michaels. <laughs> yeah, that's my pick. Probably a bad choice, but I'm excited. We're doing Blood Orgy of the She Devils. Oh, my. April Towers. Yes. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to that. No, your Bloody Sick episode was so much fun. I was just like going on to Vinegar Syndrome. Thank you very much. Um, but no, you guys have, inter- I think it's actually you two specifically have introduced me to some amazing Spanish language horror. Um, I know you mentioned the two indicator releases of uh, Phantom of the Monastery and um, La 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 Thank you. Um, yes. yes. And, of course, Ship of Monsters and all that kind of thing. So, um, yes, I hope there are more coming out because I'm, yeah, constantly trying to find these things. I'm like, they're only on YouTube. Okay, that's the best way I can get them. That's the way I can get them. But, um, no, so thank you so much uh, for Ship of Monsters, by the way. I don't think I said thank you for introducing me to that movie. Oh, yeah, that's one of our favorites. It's we love it. pure joy. Anytime it is. I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, that's my movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. It just makes you so happy with these badass ladies just wandering around Earth, deciding if they want to marry them or capture capture men. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so it's so so fun. It really, really is. And um, we're about to get into actually some fun. Actually, with the first, well, actually, both these movies are fun. But the first movie, speaking of uh, pure joy, um, is going to be Christopher Guest's uh, Best in Show. Um, now, as I would like to imagine, we're sitting in a theater, curtains are opening, and we'll go with. Uh, Erica, what would trailer would you show for Best in Show? 
Uh, so my trailer, um, I wanted to go with something that was kind of similar as far as, I don't know, a dog show is basically a beauty pageant. Oh. So I figured something along those lines, but I also wanted something with some really quirky characters. Mm -hmm. So I went with uh, Thomas Schlame's Miss Firecracker from 1989. Five of you and only five of you will make it to the final pageant. And only one of those five will be crowned Miss Firecracker. All her life, Carnell Scott had a dream. I, I'd like to register as a contestant for the contest. You would. She wasn't really beautiful. Well, I certainly hope you don't think I'm ugly looking like some dumb bullfrog of yours. She wasn't very talented. That means she actually thinks she's tap dancing. She's just clomping her feet around. She had a crazy family. And a bad reputation. I go to church now. People aren't calling me Miss Hot Tamale anymore. Everything's changed. Looking good, Miss Hot Tamale. Ooh. Um, he also directed So I Married an Axe Murderer for a little bit of context for folks. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a great cast. It's got Holly Hunter, Scott Glenn, Alfre Woodard, and Alfre Woodard absolutely steals the show in this. Mm. Um, Tim Robbins and Mary Steenburgen are in it. And it's a takes place in a small southern town um and holly hunter her character wants to win the local beauty pageant in order to leave her bad reputation behind mm. so she's kind of like cookie in that way oh <laughs> yes <laughs> um but yeah like i said quirky characters and in this one it's it's you know it's not really about who wins in it even though holly Hunter's really focused on it mm. but really like if you watch this you're gonna win when you see her do her tap dance routine <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good that's so awesome because she's like five foot nine and just watching this tiny creature tap dance was sounds amazing <laughs> yeah she does a back bend that will boggle your mind i'm like holy Ooh. crap wow yeah. watch list <laughs> definitely it's watch on, list it's, it's on tubi sweet even better god bless tubi um no this looks absolutely amazing and you're right the cast is just all people that yeah alfie wooded uh, mary steenburgen um they're all just people that got glenn yeah um they're just basically people um that just make me smile every single time i see them on screen so yeah this is this is definitely going on my watch list um this sounds absolutely incredible um lance what would your be your trailer for best in show okay so i'm kind of sticking with evil dogs like i'm i'm folk i've really focused in on the cujo pick mm. but uh i'm picking uh claudio fragrasso fragasso's monster dog from 1984 it's 20 years later, and Vince Raven is going home. He's hoping for a new beginning, but somehow he can't escape the horror of his past. And now, things are really getting hairy. Fergasso, he directed Troll 2 
for a little context, Night, Night Killer <laughs> after death or Zombie Four. So yeah. for it. <laughs> you'll know you'll know what you're getting into if you've seen some of those movie uh, movies. Troll Two and definitely Zombie Four. <laughs> yeah. So this one, Monster Dog stars Alice Cooper as a rock star, Victor Raven, and uh, he and his band and this film crew are heading back to his old childhood home to shoot a, this music video for this mm. new song. And he hasn't been back home since he was a kid. There's a lot of recent murders that are occurring around the house, which the police blame on a pack of wild dogs. But these killings, they've been occurring since Raven was a child, and there are all these myths surrounding his family. Uh, the reason I picked this one with Best in Show is because it has some super catchy original songs throughout the film that are mm -hmm. sung by Alice Cooper, which is kind of a stretch, but it links kind of to Jerry and Cookie Fleck and their Captain and the Cookie Beg For It songs. <laughs> God loves um, a terrier, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, this movie's a mess. Most people don't give it the same respect as I do. As much, you know, I, I just love this movie. Um, I can't. I could see this being a pick for one of our one of my no no rules November. So get ready, Erica. Just in case, that's just a just just a, a warning. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I I the Italian movies are on a sliding scale, mm. so you know it's they get a little bit more leeway. You've seen Monster Dog? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's on Tubi, and I think it has a keynote release too. But yeah, I just watched it a couple of weeks ago, and I fell in love with it. So as soon as did. I thought of like dog trailers, <laughs> I was all Monster Dog. <laughs> I think I've seen parts of Monster Dog because as soon as I saw the Alice Cooper, I'm like, hang on, this yeah, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> it's um, probably the way most people watch it is just in parts. <laughs> um, no, what you can say a lot about Claudio Fagazio, but he is definitely a director of his own style, and. Um, Vision's a pretentious word, but you know, you get, he's going to give you something <laughs> that you yeah. don't expect. Um, sure. So that's what I always appreciate about him. Um, but no, I should actually give this another, I will actually watch this in full because I was one of those ones I'm like, I think I actually, this has got something there to, to it. And I like the fact that Alice Cooper's like running around. Um, and so I need to, yeah, um, this is definitely going back up to on top of the watch list for this one. Um, Lance, you know, if you do pick that one, you can't pick Prince of Darkness for your double feature with that because you've already picked it. Oh, a bell from hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what yeah, I love no. about Lance. Lance loves everything. <laughs> if, there's, if there's singing in it that's involved in the mm -hmm. film in some way, mm -hmm. I'm 100% on board. Like, I'm going to recommend it to everybody and their mom and their dog, mm. I should say. Because <laughs> <laughs> all dogs in movies are good, uh, are good dogs. Um... Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna go. I, I was sort of going more the um, Im improvised uh, notion of this movie. So it's not really improvised, but it, I'm I, I'm going for Errol Morris's Gates of Heaven. I can know you very well, but when I turn my back, I don't know you. Not truly. But my little dog, I can turn my back on my little dog, and I know he's back there. He's my little friend. He's not gonna jump on me or bite me or anything like that. Well, we're here to put Caesar in the ground today and just tell us a little about Caesar so that we can have as much personal feeling about this as, as you do. God is supposed to know when the sparrow falls. So surely at the gates of heaven, an all-compassionate God or an all-compassionate supreme being is surely not going to say, well, you're walking in on two legs. You can go in. You're walking in on four legs. 
it's from 1978. Uh, this is uh, the movie that I think it was Werner Herzog did end up eating his own shoe. Um, if you if you could make a documentary about two um, pet cemetery or pet uh, two pet uh, cemetery uh, owners who uh, give the last resting places to your beloved fur babies, and I haven't seen it in forever, but I still have these remembering of just the way they talk into the camera so these really quirky personalities um that are just themselves which i think christopher guest has been kind of riffing on since he started making his own movies and even when he was in um spinal tap um and as i think i'm still much more of a early kind of errol morris fan more than his later ones but some of those early movies you just kind of watch them and go well these people actually exist (laughs) and um (laughs) you kind of love them for it um, yes, is he kind of leaning heavily of like these people are weird, um, which was a lot of 1970s documentary filmmaking. But um, yeah, no, yeah, Gates of Heaven. It's actually very. It's got more emotion to it than you think it does, especially yeah. of how much blood and tears these people put into their businesses and trying to give um, the pets these uh, members of these families uh, the the uh, emotion and respect they deserve. So yes, that is that is my trailer. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that one on my watch list forever. I've been wanting to see that for a long time. But I know the story with the one, the Werner Herzog eats his shoe and the whole the bet for, with Morris. Yes. To, to make this documentary, I because I, I, I love Grey Gardens. That's one of my favorite documentaries. Mm. So I, I when I first have seen some of Morris's, you know, especially with Gates of Heaven, uh, it, I kind of got the same feeling. So I really want to watch this. It- it is very much um, Grey Gardens feel like you're sort of watching these things like, oh, are you exploiting them or are you just letting them right. shine through? And uh, as much as I love Grey Gardens is maybe one of my favorite movies um, as well as documentaries. And But you do get that sense of this is Edie, this is you, but are you? I don't quite know if the camera ma- the camera's making fun of you or if the camera's loving you. And I think it's a bit of both and it is definitely a bit of both with Gates yeah. of Heaven. Cool. Yeah, I need to check it out. Yes, and then definitely follow up, follow it up with Man Eats Shoe because then that is Werner <laughs> Werner Hur- Werner Herzog keeps his word. <laughs> I have watched that. I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's still eating it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, and with that, we are going to be getting into um, uh, probably my favorite Christopher Guest directed uh, movie, um, Best in Show. Cookie and I work as a team. We met at this dance. He didn't want to dance. I got two left feet. (laughs) I thought he was kidding. But I wasn't. I was born with two left feet. Beatrice has been showing signs of depression. Ever since she saw us having sex, what would you like to say to Beatrice right now? I'm sorry you had to see that. I've been a hairdresser about... 14 years and I uh, went to a show. I asked my ex-wife, who's that? She says, that's Scott. We got top loin, porterhouse, T-bone. We got everything. So basically, you know, meat. <laughs> Leslie and I have an amazing relationship. People say, oh, but he's so much older than you. And you know what? I'm the one having to push him away. <laughs> uh, I have a... I watch this actually going back and thinking I've actually seen this movie quite a few times when I was watching it because I was just kind of running along the lines with it um Lance when was the first time you saw this movie I actually I have a long history with this movie I saw it at the in the theater when it was released 
So I loved, like you said, it's your favorite Christopher Guest. I mean, it's really hard to pick a favorite Guest film. I could easily pick my top three, mm -hmm. but um, I think Best in Show is probably my favorite of his three. Uh, but yeah, I saw this when it was released in 2000. Um, we went and saw it. That's, you know, we've always had dogs. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we've always had dogs for our whole relationship. We did lose one of ours a couple of years ago. So we're still kind of, we decided to work on focusing on like home remodeling. So mm. we're in, we're in between pets right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, when I first, when we saw this in the theater, it's just relating to, I mean, they're so, they're such exaggerated characters, but you can relate to so many of the different characters as a dog lover in, in so many ways. Um, so yeah, as soon as it came out on DVD, I bought it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I bought it on Blu-ray. I mean, I've seen this one <laughs> too many times probably, but at least a dozen times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I saw it in the theater and just fell in love with it. No, I could watch, I, I, when I was watching, I was like, why don't I watch Best in Show like every year? Cause this is just absolutely perfect. Um, Erica, when was the first time you saw Best in Show? Uh, actually, same as Lance. I mm -hmm. saw it in theater when it when it came out and loved it as well. I don't think I've watched it as many times as uh, as Lance has, but I think it's probably my I think my third time watching it for mm -hmm. this. But yeah, I I love it as well. Like it's just it's fun, and even if you've only seen it like once or twice before, it it is so easy to just remember. Yeah. Mm. all the jokes and like everything and the first time someone makes a joke about cookies past like you're like oh that's right and like everything keep them up, keep them up. <laughs> oh i've had hundreds Hun really I'm hundreds yeah no hundreds <laughs> <laughs> yeah the line i mean these lines these one-liners in the dialogue it's just uh they're executed so well that like erica said if you watch it once it's gonna stick with you i mean they're memorable quotes that you can just kind of just banter with your friends with yeah because i i was re-watching this i think for like the wednesday and just before recording i'm like okay did i write down enough one-liners because i'm scared i'm gonna forget them and now i'm just like going yeah nah it's all coming back to me i love it yeah you're right the yeah. one-liners <laughs> in this movie are absolutely perfect i think i saw this a bit later i think um someone showed it to me after i saw a mighty wind and went oh my god this is great. I love Mighty Wind. Eugene's Levy's eyebrows seem to take on life on, on, of their own in that movie. Um, That's and definitely a top three. For that me, is, for yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, haven't, I think I've only seen that twice. And then someone showed me Best in Show, and I was like, oh, okay. And that's the one I keep going back to. I've seen it probably a handful of times, like maybe six or seven. Um, so it's every, I guess, couple of years since I've, I, I usually will be in the mood. Um, but yeah, those one liners and. I know there's a lot of criticisms of all the kind of characters being stereotypes, but watching it this time round and kind of zeroing on the fact that these are more about the couples than the dogs, but you just, but the dogs are also part of these couples kind of relationships. You kind of realize that there's a little bit more depth there. Um, even though some lines from um, Michael Higgins, uh, John Michael Higgins are a bit like, okay, yep, that's, that's very 2000. But at the same time, that's a very healthy couple and they love their dogs and I would definitely want to hang out with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, as I was watching it again, cause I probably, I don't know. I probably watched it like two years ago. Mm. Um, you're right. There are some, I mean, with any comedy, there's something that's a little dated, especially when it's mockumentary and you're using real life elements mm. like Christopher Guest does in all his movies. But I don't know. I feel like it still works in the times because especially like Parker Posey's uh, and, uh, you know, Michael, what's his name? Hitchcock. Hitchison. 
Yeah, yeah Hick- the yeah. swans. The swans. The swans. Hamilton swans, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, I, I want to call him Michael Hamilton, but <laughs> um, yeah, they they say some pretty politically incorrect things um, right. and how they deal with you know their anger issues and stuff, but it still works like to this day, like some of the stuff like Parker Posey says. And uh, I mean, these characters will be in society, you know, till the end of time. Yeah, those people still exist. They, yes, right. they do. So when when she was sort of saying like, what they go back to where you came from, I think to one poor hotel worker, I was just like, of course that character would say that. That is that character. Exactly. Um, and yeah. of course they would meet at a Starbucks, but not the same Starbucks, uh, the Starbucks <laughs> yeah. over the road from each other. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was real big into J. Crew. I mean, I still am. But still it's, have- it's, it's just so all of it. So yeah. blessed to be raised among catalogs. Right. <laughs> yes. um, I know those people. I've, I've interacted with those people. Yeah, they, they are. Um, oh yeah, same. They are around, um, and I have to admit, I was laughing more at the swans than I think I ever have laughed at the swans, and it's maybe because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, they are, they are what they are, and they um, again do love each other, even though that's the one couple I would be like, I'm going to go hang out with um, John Michael Higgins and Michael McKean. Okay, bye. (laughs) The thing with the swans too is, you know, dogs definitely pick up energy. Yes. With the owners and their their dog Beatrice Beatrice, um, is a mess. And it's because, you know, she's feeding off of their terrible, just crazy energy. I mean. (laughs) I really, I hope like, that you know i poor beatrice because i yeah. and i and i literally and i mean literally the dog who played her makes yeah I hope that she had some kind of like soother in between scenes and or takes because i don't think dogs can tell the difference between acting stressed and neurotic and actually being that way and so this watch i was like Oh, is Beatrice okay? Like the, the actual dog. Like right. I feel bad. Like because you can tell there's moments where like the busy bee. Can you go get the busy bee. They're, Run. They're Just... yelling and be- the dog is freaking yeah. out. And I'm like, I know that's <laughs> what it is supposed to be, but at the same time, I'm like, is that dog okay? I was thinking the same thing, especially the busy bee fight in the middle of the thing, and she's got nowhere she can kind of run because she's kind of harnessed to that whatever show dog thing that they contraption they put them on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just like, oh, don't yell around the dog. I mean, the dog can't handle it. I mean, yeah, you're right. They don't know the difference between acting and actual people stress. They're just like, oh no, why do they stick me with these two horrible people? Um, yeah, and as actors, they're probably like doing their crazy, you know, yelling scenes, and then they'll go over to the dog and try and calm it out. That's just even more confusing. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Good girl, you know. Good you girl, did, uh, you did good. She's like, what is <laughs> happening right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I did think because I was because that's the one thing I said when the dogs are allowed to be dogs and they're not really put in situations that would um, be harmful. I went well, except Beatrice because she's have to deal with Parker Posey and. Michael Hickok um, screaming at each other and then Michael Hickok actually getting into her doggy cage. That was actually really funny. Um, when he's looking for the bed, yeah. he just bodily goes in um, to this <laughs> massive cage. It's it's a great moment. And you're right, because there's a lot of stress because these guys are mostly improvising. I think this was like 16 pages worth of story. Christopher Guest yeah. just has an outline and they just lets um, these actors just sort of go for it. So you've got Michael and um, Parker just kind of feeding off each other and then this poor dog in the corner going I don't know what is happening and is getting stressed because of it where all the other dogs get to have a more calmer experience on set so I did hope she has a soother and I hope she was given many scratches and treats and was just 
allowed to have a room where she could just or go outside or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All the other dogs had it made, like, you know, and like, I can't, I, I don't know if either of you could do this. I, it's pretty hard to pick a favorite character in, in this, especially when it's like an ensemble cast like this. If I had to, though, I, I would probably say Harlan, but that's only because he seems to love his dog the most. Like, you know, Scott and Stefan definitely pamper their dogs. Mm. And um, Cookie and Jerry, they, they love Winky. Yeah. But like, there's that moment where Harlan and, oh my God, I forgot the bloodhound's name. Hubert. Rufus? Hubert. Great name for a bloodhound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, he's like, yeah, just like, you know, take him through the, take him on a walk through the forest and whatever. And he's just sitting there and he's just letting him lick his face. And he was like, well, you're a good boy. Yeah. And I'm like, you can tell them like he loves that dog and that's what I love to see mm. and it just feels like I'm not saying that the other ones don't love their dogs obviously Rhapsody in White is just a show dog and she's just there to look pretty like there's no right. like she plays with her a little bit at one point mm. but like Harlan like he loves loves yeah. his bloodhound so you would want like when you first watch this movie and I know you know you, we're not thinking of like who we want to win the dog sure. show really mm. but is that who you're thinking of? Like you wanted Harlan and Hubert to win it? Um, I, I did, but I also think like the way that it plays out, you know, they, they set it up really well where they were like, he's young, he's got a great future ahead of him. So it's like, I don't feel bad that Hubert doesn't win. Like mm. Winky winning, it's like, of course, because they're sort of the underdogs in the whole movie. And mm. it's right. like, you always want the underdog dog to win. So... And, the, you know, the underdog couple, if you will. So mm. I, I wasn't disappointed. I, I mean, in a way I was rooting for him, but I was more just, that's more just because I was like, look how much he loves his yeah. dog. Yeah, because he's kind of the single, only single one. And because everyone else is a couple um, mm -hmm. or it, Jane Lynch and Jennifer Coolidge will become a couple. It's yes. like <laughs> an actual fully formed couple by the end of the, um, end of the, end of the movie. Oh, she has two mummies. I still love that line. Um, it's, yeah, but um, Christopher Guest's character, Harlan, is just him and his dog. And you can kind of tell it's a really cool relationship. Like, he kind of is the only one who doesn't go in it for the for the glory of it i think he's the one who's there because he loves his dog he's heard and he's got praise that this is a really good dog and um hubert's a good boy and so they kind of go for it but yeah you do get that sense that he's the one who's not necessarily in it for the he wants to win but he's not necessarily there for the prize he's just going on a trip with his best friend or his two best friends if you count the Vin, the puppet yeah, Vin <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Vin <laughs> Hey, you going to sleep? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Lindsay, you couldn't see his face when he did that. It's creepy. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> Even that puppet, Vangelica's puppet in that movie, I'm just like giving it side eye going, I forgot there was a friend. <laughs> it's just like, why? It's the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> you going to sleep? Yes. And, it's just, and he just keeps having normal conversations with it, which is probably the creepiest thing. It's like freaking magic. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, even on stage, when he's doing his performance thing on stage with it, like, yeah, I'm going to become a ventriloquist. Um, it, he's just having a general conversation and the fact that he can't do the lasso bit and the thing falls on it and the cactus falls on him. I'm just like, oh, my God, yes. This is this is, this is going back to um, waiting for, oh, shoot, what was his first directed movie? Waiting um, for Guffman. This is just yeah. waiting for Guffman again, and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I love the scene where he is all woo, you know, spinning yeah. the lasso, and it's just terrible. But I, I'm just gonna throw out, I, I, I'm not a big like fan of the where are they now like in the mockumentaries that all Christopher Guest does yeah. mm. you know usually it's the end of the story there's a big climax in this case it's the big dog show and then you have about 10 minutes of you know Jerry and Cookie and their recording mm. and then where everybody is right now I don't to me it always just it loses all its steam at that point that's just me personally like I feel like everybody was dialed in and then after that it's just kind of I don't know it, the pacing just like is lost I agree, except for Christopher Guest's moment. Yeah, except for that, they just needed to play that on the on the during the credits. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, it's the same with waiting for Guffin when you find that he's moved uh, uh, the director of the community thing that they're doing, uh, which I just saw for the first time this year, and I went, oh, okay, this is this is wonderful. Um, when he's um, going going back to New York and has a show, uh, has a sort of a, a sorry a store of all his like Hollywood knickknacks, and he has like dinner with Andre action figures, and I was just like, I fell on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's again what happened to them after the the thing, which again loses steam, except for guests. But for some reason, I think that's is just as like I enjoy these, I enjoy doing these, so you're gonna have to sit down and watch them. <laughs> right. No, and I will. I'll keep doing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right though. If they would have just had all of that stuff during the credits, like that that could have worked just as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Like yeah. Just having the credits scroll by and just side scenes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Erica, do you have a... F uh, no, sorry, you did answer that. Um, Lance, do you have a favorite character of, or is it Harlan again? Um, I mean, I think Harlan... Yeah, I mean, all these characters are so dialed in. Like, you fall in love with so many elements of all of them. Mm. Um, if I had to pick, it probably would be Harlan. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and then I, I start thinking, like, well, what, what dog would I have out of all these? Like, what, which... You know, I love all all dogs. Uh, I do like a little bigger dog. I like to, you know, play rough with dogs and stuff. And <laughs> I don't want to kill a little Chihuahua mm. if I'm playing with yeah. them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would say Harlan is my favorite. Again, mm. for a lot of the same reasons Erica said. I mean, he is so sincere. Uh, but you love kind of the Jerry is the sweetheart. Yeah. And his two left feet. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> you feel bad for him, though, a lot. And, you know, Harlan is just, you know, he's just a guy. Like, I'd go, I, I don't go fishing, but if I did fish, I would go with Harlan. Even if <laughs> I don't fish, I'd still love to go to, you know, fishing yeah. with Harlan Pepper. It, this is true. Um, I kind of have an affinity for Fred Willard's character cause just because he comes halfway through and kind of almost steals oh, yeah. the movie away from everyone. Yeah. Just his, 100%. like... Um, the fact that he knows nothing about it and he goes to think in some countries they just eat these animals and he just says it in a way that is just so laid back and you're just like going what <laughs> I don't know he um he has this energy about him and the fact that is I can't remember the actors who, who apparently everyone thought was actually in the dog show um trade like they actually thought he knew what he was doing he's like no I just did research and Fred Willard was told not to because he didn't so he was just meant to ask Tom, uh, Tom questions his, throughout his the whole thing yeah. yeah Trevor Beckwith yeah yes um I love Fred Willard's character because he throws out at least half a dozen baseball references while oh, he's <laughs> while he's talking about the dog show <laughs> I mean my favorite is when uh the swan, uh, Hamilton Swan is, you know, out there with Beatrice and mm -hmm. she gets dismissed. And he's like, but he's still a champion, even though he's sent off in disgrace. Yeah. Like shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> he's out of the leagues, but we're still talking about him today. I'm like, and he keeps talking about the bottom of the ninth and you got to get the last, you know, batter out. I just, 
I love anything with baseball references. Yes, and he actually, yes, he does actually um, have a few of them. Um, I should have made, uh, yeah, actually, a baseball movie would have fit in well with that, just because of the the, um, the fact that he's just constantly oh, yeah. throwing baseball references. Well, you did it, Lance. I uh, know, Lance. Jeez. Um, so when you actually get the competition, and I do like the fact that it takes up the whole chunk of the movie because it's just literally mm-hmm. meeting each couple, them getting into the hotel, poor Cookie. Um, and uh, Eugene Levis, I'm forgetting the character names, um, can't afford to, um, if with Cookie just yelling, we've got two, but we've got, we can pay after two, we've still got two. No, we've done the two. Oh, really? It's that whole idea of they just like maxed out all of their credit cards. So they're now staying in the, um, in the chemical room. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that whole scene is funny, especially when he's like, do, what about room service? And he's like, do we just tell them maintenance closet? And Egg Bagley Jr., who... You know, his He's estate. Yeah, yeah. And all of Christopher Guest. I mean, you have like Bob Balaban and everybody is like you, who you expect in a Christopher mm-hmm. Guest movie is, is in here, but. He's like, yeah, well, well, yeah, that that'll work. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's literally just right. Maintenance closet, <laughs> just right over there. The kitchen's. Oh, that's a good. He goes. Oh, what about room service? Oh, the good news is the kitchen's just right next door, so you can just. <laughs> um, when Begley's going through all the different chemicals, like based on like, well, sometimes the little dogs you need this, but the big dogs you need to bring this. <laughs> and the rock band that roasted a goat in the hotel. Like, <laughs> Like, yeah, you, it's just amazing to me because they're, they're some of the strongest improv actors out there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this whole cast, that's why they're consistently in these movies because, you know, you hand them a, whatever you said, Lindsay, it was 16-page script or whatever. Yeah. And they can, you know, you, you can have like a six-hour movie with these people. It's just so much fun. You can. And because I know some improv movies do get a lot of things of it, like it goes on to way too long. There's no sort of structure, yes. but this one, the editing, it seems really, really tight. Like you just get those little bit moments of like, say Jennifer Coolidge asking for a thing of popcorn with half salt, half butter, which I actually, every line that comes out of her mouth, I was, I adore. Like she's also one of my favorites. Like she has, she doesn't care about the dog. She cares about Jane Lynch and who Jane Lynch kind of cares about the dog. Like, you know, she invested money in my kennel, and Jennifer was just like, "Yeah, it was a shithole." <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah, the more she comes out of her shell and realizes that she's like has feelings for Jane, the more she eats. So by the end of the thing, she's just like scooping up ice cream, and I, I love it. Yeah, I, I love Jennifer Coolidge. I mean, she's. Did you guys ever watch White Lotus, the HBO series? No, I keep meaning to because it was it, she. She's the reason why I want to watch it because of her. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she's the main reason too. She's. The, I mean, I think she's the best character in the, in the whole series. It's mm. a, it, it's a short limited series. I think it was like six episodes, but uh, she's great in it. Yeah. No, she's great in everything. I mean, my, uh, there was a thing of when my partner was just watching two broke girls, and even she was the funniest with the oh, god awful accent. I was just like, oh, okay, she's actually good. Everything else is horrible, but she's. Well, she's Jennifer Coolidge. She's the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is just, you just watch it and it just makes you happy. Um, it's like, even at the end when you find out that, um, again, should have played on the credits, but when they find out that JC, uh, Jane Lynch and um, Jennifer Coolidge run their own magazine, it's just called American Bitch for lesbians and their purebred <laughs> dogs. <laughs> just, yes, it's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're a great couple. I think Jane, you know, Jane Lynch's character kind of uh, confused me a little bit. Is Chris, Christy 
Cummings. Christy Cummings. Yeah, mm. she's the handler. Like, I know she has good intentions, and I know she's, you know, in a relationship, and, and she obviously does love Jennifer Coolidge's, but, you know, it's not about, like, I don't know. I feel like she is, she's she's just a pro, is just wanting the uh, the trophy. You know, mm. she wants the best in show 100%. Like I, I do like after the, the you know before the end credits after the dog show where she's like, well you know, we lost and that was surreal. Like it, yeah. she's still in complete shock. Like, <laughs> like that's the only thing that's driving her. And then and then this successful magazine and you know, Jennifer Coolidge character is kind of like the Anna Nicole Smith kind of in a way. <laughs> you know, the real yeah. character marrying the old man. It you know I I I think you know there's good intentions in real life probably. Um, mm maybe but mm. uh <laughs> yeah that the, their relationship to me seemed like something that wasn't gonna last like when you look at jerry and cookie or uh you know michael mckean and uh stefan and, and scott yeah stefan and scott yeah, like, yeah. when you look at the the couple at the relationships I, well i guess you know the the swans are just as rough too but i don't know i i don't feel like they're that happy of a couple they're, yeah but who, they're they seem to thrive on making each other miserable. So like, who else are they going to be with? Like, of course they're going to last. They do seem like, I mean, they are the perfect team. They, they both, they both bring their different perspective to the relationship and to the business and Mm -hmm. to the dog show. It works. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't, I think it will last a while. I think they maybe be a split or the thing, but um, there are the couple, I think that are definitely going to end up a divorce of the swans. I think they thrive on drama and when they don't get drama, they have to create it. So when they sort of say, oh no, we're much happier. Our dogs just what, you know, our pug now just watches us have sex and it's much healthier. You're like, that doesn't, no, you're going to, you're going to find some way to actually scream at each other. Um, yeah. Or just because everything about um, Parker Posey's um, uh, character is just, how can I end up screaming in the scene, especially in that, the um, pet sh- the pet store when she's like no that's a um, bear dressed as a bee <laughs> she's like oh my god I so know customers like that it's just um, oh, yeah. yeah they it's yeah that, that's one of my favorite scenes in there. that, <laughs> that one and scene. then I love how you know all the characters are in, you know individually introduced in the first half of the movie and then my favorite scene is when they're all together at that Mayflower kind of hotel banquet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. all meeting for the first time and you see them actually interacting in their characters. Mm-hmm. They're so dialed in and their mannerisms are all just playing off of each other. I love that scene so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With Hamilton, she keeps trying to see what the tags are of the clothes everyone's wearing to see what if it's yeah. Baker. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I love Yeah, the, the, uh, the Michael Higgins and... Um, Michael McCain is just absolutely great, just how they're interacting and how even brings up Eugene's Larry, uh, Eugene's Levy's character a little bit because you can tell he's kind of the quieter one out of the out of the couple with Cookie. And um, you must be proud, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, who are you all of a sudden? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Love it. And Cookie is just like astonished, like you made those. Yeah. You didn't make those pants. Like yes, everything is just on it's yeah. crazy but like you said like you know i did mention you could make like a six hour movie but you're right the pacing is super quick mm-hmm. i'm a true believer that comedy shouldn't be over 90 minutes mm-hmm. this is 90 minutes um so it, it's just everything's so tight in this movie there is one scene that kind of threw me off that doesn't seem like a fit to me mm-hmm. and that was the scene when uh Cookie falls down right before the best in show. And I know it's essential to the, you know, the script. Mm. Jerry needs to go out and the underdog kind of wins it all. 
But the whole thing seems like way too exaggerated to me, like how she falls and then she gets up and she's doing that, that hilarious. I mean, it's so exaggerated how she's like walking. Oh, it's just my knee. It's just my knee. Yeah. Mm. That little scene just seems out of place to me for some reason. This is just me just trying to bring up some, just being very nitpicky. I think this is one of my favorite comedies ever, but we're on, you know, we're on a podcast. We're talking about it. So I'm going to. got to nitpick something. I got to nitpick something. And that scene, if, if I had to, if I was Christopher Guest and I said, what scene would I have, would I want to reshoot or redo? It would be that one. Yeah, because it's when the plot has to come in, because this really is just a really hangout movie, really. You're just hanging out with these characters, watching them hang out. Um, and that is the kind of the moment where something really big has to happen because before then you're just kind of watching, yeah, they're just doing their their rounds, who's winning, um, you know, all that kind of – there's a bit of drama, of course, with the Swans because that's what they are. They're messy. Um, and that's something else kind of – it kind of that movie just needed something else just to go oomph, and it just happens that it's Cookie who kind of trips over and she's like, Jerry, you have to um, – with his two left feet so they can have – um, the commentators go, what, is it actually two left feet? Um, I mean, that br- brilliant, that moment is brilliant. But yeah, it's just kind of this weird, awkward moment just to get the movie over the, the hump it needs to get over. But yeah, it's yeah. it's a bit of a weird moment because everyone's like going, oh, plot, drama. And it's like, this plot, this movie doesn't, has, has none of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good scene. I think it's just, I just feel like it, I don't know. The mannerisms in the characters just mm-hmm. yeah. felt completely a little out of place just for a minute. I get it. Yeah. I think I have I have a pretty big beef with part of this movie. Uh-oh. Mm. I, yeah, I know. But it's here's the thing. I wouldn't... There's nothing I would change about this movie. Like, I agree with you about that scene. Like, yeah, that mm. can be redone. I, I, I love this movie. I love, love all the characters. But... And I know this is something that we should be, I I don't know, like maybe I'm digging too deep on this, but the fact that all of these characters bought dogs and are essentially supporting the breeding of them uh, makes me hate them all a little bit. Like, Like under the surface, I'm like, oh, you're so great and endearing and I love you as a character, but you know what? You also bought that dog and you're supporting breeding that just bothers me so much i mean did they i mean you obviously know you you know the the poodle um uh you know the the swans i mean does like harlan pepper like do they all say that they bought and bred these dogs or they don't say that in there but if you're in a dog show you are a purebred that's dog. true yeah and that's the only you're like right. way to get like no one's going to a rescue i mean there are people rescue dogs hmm. that are purebred animals because people buy animals and then realize oh this is responsibility Mm. and you know take it you know turn it in so that's that's kind of what bothers me about like there's like this surface level thing where i'm like yeah but all these characters bought their dogs yeah and that that irks me yeah the only one i get the sense who may who even though he um hubert is a pure breed um dog the only sense i didn't get that was from the Holland character and but that just kind of, even though he did buy his dog. Um, but you're right, because this is about a show dog, which means these uh, these yeah, are purebred, purebred. Pure and even, like, Jane Lynch at the end, this is for lesbians and they're purebred dogs. I mean, yeah, it is specifically breeding. Though I will say, once you adopt a animal, whether it be a cat or the dog, you will never go back. Um, Walter, my furry baby, my, my annoying furry baby, um, was a rescue. Um and 
I don't know what it is about it because I grew up with purebred cats. My mother was obsessed with Siamese and Burmese cats. I don't know what it was. Um, still is. Um, and then I got Walt and I'm like going, oh, but Walt is the most, yeah, there's something about rescuing an animal that really kind of, yeah, you get really harsh on breeding. Like you look at breeding and just go, motherfuckers. Um, yeah. I don't know how you can do that to a living creature. And um, like when you watch, like I'm becoming obsessed with like a rescue, uh, uh, watching rescue pit bulls on YouTube. <laughs> it's kind of like what I watch before I go to sleep, just to kind of go, oh, there's happiness in the world. I'll go to sleep because these happy, waddling, um, goofy, solid maniac dogs um and you just watch them just being happy in their home and with owners who love them and mm-hmm. usually get a really sad awful backstory um that and but you then you see them like trotting around wad- waddling around the house and it's just the best thing ever um so yeah there's a kind of weird perception of once i think you and it's when you adopt not buy um i think it's a big difference when you f- do adopt you're just like yeah i can't I, I can't condone breeding. And you're right, this movie is about that. I guess I kind of lo- always looked at it as the Errol Morris of, like, presenting a world um, that you're not familiar right. with and don't have uh, emotional connection with. But because it's Christopher Guest doing it, you fall in love with these characters, even though you're like, God damn, adopt. Just adopt. <laughs> don't be doing that. Yeah. Don't be in this world. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, like I said, I, and I didn't mean to take it to, like, a dark, angry place because this movie is so much fun. I fucking I hate this movie. Shut <laughs> up. Like, I can't believe we're talking about it. It's, it's just this one, this underlying part of it that I'm just like, and it, I know that I know this world exists, and I love that at least if anyone was going to make a movie about this, I'm glad it was Christopher Guest, but it's just, there's that underlying part of it that I'm just like, mm. so like a full circle. Like, I mean, so Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and she w- did come out on the Oscars and talked about the, you know, the humane society. I don't know if it was humane society mm. specifically, but adopting pets and yes. stuff. So I I'm feel not like sa- I'm not saying life. like Christopher Guest is advocating for this know, or anything like mm. that. It's just like, that's the part of the movie where I'm just like, I don't like this about the like that's an element that I don't like about these characters because that is there kind of hundred percent. Yeah, I agree oh, yeah. with you hundred percent. Like breeding is one of the most evil things you could do. So. Yes, yes. Adopt, don't buy. Please adopt because yeah, um, I will advocate that always. And um, yeah, and I think it's a, it is a really good point to make because it has got that um, documentary kind of thing of. Um, showing you this really bizarre world that isn't always on the level. Um, and the movie doesn't really go into that because it's a, you're just in, enjoying um, watching these characters um, and then doing these kind of just really quirky things. But that's yeah. kind of what a lot of these documentaries kind of do. You're not sure if they're you're them you're they're making fun of them or if they're you're relating to them. And that's kind of the always the interesting thing, especially about that seventy style documentary. You never quite know what lens you should be looking at through. Um, and I think this doesn't quite do that because Christopher Guest is just more interested in seeing what the actors can do. The dogs are kind of secondary, but um, at the same time, it's still there. Um, and But the same, but then you just see Christopher Guest directed with the dog and you're like, he really loves that dog. And I don't know if it was his dog. I think he just kind of took it on as like, okay, well, I'm on set with this dog. This dog is mine and we're going to have a good time. And you're like, oh, Harlan. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. Yeah. yeah I would be in that dog's face. I would so be in that dog's face. I wonder if any of these dogs were like cast or crew members, like if they came from people that were 
working out if they're just trained because they're not trained dogs you can tell like, no most mm. of them just aren't they're just dogs somebody yeah. so yeah I'm, i want to do some research and see if they came from yeah because i tried to do some research because i found out that they weren't trained dogs and a lot of the people a lot of the other handlers in the um the other people who were handling the dogs were actually from that world as in they knew how to handle a dog when they're running around yes they're probably into show dogs which isn't great but they knew kind of the Mm -hmm. proper way of handling a dog um so these were not stage dogs which i kind of like because we're going to get into a movie with quite a bit quite a few stage dogs though not quite because you see Cujo wagging his tail at one point i'm like oh he's a happy boy um (laughs) when he's not meant to be but it's yeah you do get the sort of sense that these are just dogs. I don't know where they got them from or who owned them or if they went to breeders and said, can we borrow a dog for three days or how how long the shoot was. It would be interesting because, yeah, Hollywood and animals do not have a great history. (laughs) No. So, um, which is why I do like this movie because I'm like, oh, apart from Beatrice, oh, the dogs just get to be dogs. They don't have to do anything special and you can kind of just tell that they're just kind of hanging out with cameras on them and they are just like oh this lady's carrying me all right okay i'm cool yep mm-hmm. yep i'm hanging out with Catherine o'hara <laughs> I- i'm happy <laughs> well they seem calm again apart from beatrice who i do hope got like mm-hmm. uh, two weeks of just lay down you don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah absolutely uh lance i can't i I'm waiting for it. You haven't made your Twin Peaks reference yet. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think I did it like in an uh, in an old uh, letterbox review. Oh okay. About the judge. Yeah. Yeah. So the judge, the main, the judge who who's uh, judging the best in show is played by uh, Donis Davis. Yes, he is. Yeah. Who is Twin Peaks' uh, very own Major Garland Briggs? I forgot about that. Oh my god! Yeah. No, during lockdown, we just me and my partner decided to watch all of Stargate because um, there was literally nothing else to do, and I so I just kept going, "Oh shit!" There's like two Stargate people in this movie. This movie is very Vancouver, and it is because <laughs> it was shot in Vancouver. Um, but uh, yeah, I've complete. I need to watch Twin Peaks again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, when I saw it, like. Maybe that's why I'm so drawn to this, you know, anything that related to Twin Peaks. I'm glad you brought this up, Erica. I can't believe I had to pull it out of you. <laughs> because he's, you know, he's a big part of like the White Lodge and the Black Lodge mm-hmm. and the Twin Peaks series. Um, I feel like he stepped out, stepped away just to uh, just to judge this best in show. Like yeah. he's going back to the lodge after this. There you go. <laughs> I feel he is. Yes, I, I, I think yeah. A lot of uh, uh, best in show judges are definitely in the Black Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I, I, I didn't bring that up. That's good. Uh, I think because I'm still so focused on like Fred Willard's comments, like uh, women bathing their dogs, doing it doggy style. You know, <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> I know. He's just ah, oh, I love him so much. He's just this guy who's obviously done this many times before, but still doesn't know anything about dogs and all the thing that he's judging it's amazing yeah. <laughs> i love uh, oh rest in peace fred willard you were you were the best you are still yeah, the best yeah. yeah fred willard commenting on like a dog show would be like me trying to uh, announce a baseball game <laughs> me too I, that would be fun that would be i mean that, <laughs> <laughs> you just start talking about like 
I mean, if you got those two players together and put a little jockey on them, who would run the farthest, the fastest? Just <laughs> none of it makes sense. It's so good. None of it I mean, at all. How hard is it really to do that? Like, what is it? It's a ball and a stick, and like these guys can't seem to hit it at all tonight. What is this? They're throwing like it 100 miles per hour, Eric. Just kidding. Are they? I yes, would be- pitchers. Oh, that is really? Oh, okay. That's. Mm. Pitchers are was... ninety feet from the mound and or ninety feet from the the home plate, and they're throwing oh, like a hundred miles per hour. Arms. And you know they're throwing changeups that are. Like, I thought that was just in major league. I just thought I thought only Charlie Sheen could throw that that fast. A wild thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I made I, a baseball I, reference, Lance. I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to talk for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Actually, Major League and um, Field of Dreams are the only things I know about baseball. So that, that's those are two good movies to <laughs> to actually think of the yeah, sport. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that that's the two things of baseball, right? If you build it, they will come. And Charlie Sheen fucks. Charlie yes. Sheen fucks. Yeah. And yeah, Tom Berenger is the yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a good a little trivia, baseball trivia. So you know they were the Cleveland Indians in Major League. Mm-hmm. You know, wild thing. This is the first season, the 2022 Major League Baseball season, where they changed their names. They're no longer the Indians. Mm. They're the Cleveland Guardians. So. Okay. That's good. Mm. Yeah. Overdue. I'm very overdue. Yeah. I'm uh, surprised yeah. it took them <laughs> that long, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, baseball's a horrible sport. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> actually, I lie. I did actually watch the whole Ken Burns, which was very long, and I still know nothing about baseball, but I'm pretty sure I've watched the Ken Burns baseball documentary and the only thing i remember was the uh was it the white Sox who were the in 1919 um and it was a chicago one um one of the teams that bet on themselves and they got in very big trouble because well because they weren't being paid (laughs) essentially enough that was the white Sox. that's actually what fred willard brings up in the shoeless show uh yes yes still a winner even though he sent off in disgrace like shoeless joe jackson Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's for Chicago, Chicago White Sox. Oh, my oh. God. It came full circle back to Best in Show. I thought we were never going to get off baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Best in Show before we move on to the main event? I think I got it. Everything. I- mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate, like, what I said. Like, there are very few, like, four-and-a-half, five-star comedies for me. Mm. I mean, there's so many good comedies mm. out there, but, uh, like, Best in Show is right up there with with so many other Christopher Guest movies for me. And like, if any listeners have never seen a Christopher Guest movie, I mean, you have to watch them all. I mean, this is Spinal Tap, obviously. Oh. Yeah. A Mighty Wind, Best in Show. Um, those are my top three. For your, you know, Waiting for Guffman, for your consideration. I watched mm-hmm. Mascots, which might've been his last mockumentary, which I wasn't a big fan of. He, he brought in a whole new uh, cast of characters to do this improv thing, and they're just not as strong. So me comparing this cast to everybody that's in Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. It, it's not fair, but uh, yeah, I just, this comedy is one of my favorites and yeah. I love it. No, when it comes to improv, it's all about the cast and Christopher Guest put together an amazing cast because every single one of these people know exactly what they're doing and how to do it. Um, yeah, Michael, Mc, uh, I mean, uh, no, Michael McKean was, no, he's, well, he was in Spinal Tap, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he's a lead singer. Yeah. Yes, he's a lead singer. Um, and so he just can kind of just 
embody I mean as a kid because they showed up on The Simpsons me forgetting that um, half the cast of, <laughs> a lot of the cast of um, Spinal Tap did go on to work on The Simpsons um, Harry, Harry Sharon in particular I always thought they actually were a real band um, which they were actually because they did release albums um, but no if you haven't seen any Christopher Guest movies I mean this is Spinal Tap is just one of the greatest um, Mighty Wind is really great and it's because of that that uh, because of these movies that I, if I see uh, Eugene Levy or Catherine O'Hara married to anyone else, I get very, very upset watching Waiting for Guffman <laughs> when Catherine O'Hara is married to Fred Willard. I kept expecting her to look at Eugene Levy and go, you're the guy. But it never happened. And I was, <laughs> I was really upset. I was like, no, she's married to Eugene Levy. I, I'm sure, no, in real life, I, I can't accept that they're not together. <laughs> and and um, Ship Creek just, you know, emphasized that for me again. Like, she's, oh, yeah. she's the mother to, Dan, uh, to Daniel. <laughs> so I, I will not hear any, anything different. Um, but it's, yeah, these guys just work together so well. And they know how to, yeah, it is just... A, a joy to watch and just these it, there are so many lines that you're just constantly gonna um say like uh just um i'll let you in a little secret a little industry secret they always jump <laughs> <It's so laughs> Miller. I mean, we're talking about larry miller He's i so know yeah. this movie's that good that you forget the larry miller bit and he's yeah. um he's absolutely incredible in this he's it, it just comes in and steals his five minutes the way he just like completely um face plans Catherine hair and kisses her in front of both his spouses and they just like all right um but yeah no this movie is absolutely um i love it i love it a lot um now going from a movie that i absolutely adore to a first time watch and then watching it all i can think of is oh i can see why erica loves this movie um i'm assuming you love this movie um yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> This is Lance's double feature. Oh, this is Lance. So, oh, yeah. oh, this is yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I, I threw this. I, I didn't. I didn't converse with Erica at all about this <laughs> when, I, when I threw Cujo and Beston show together. Yeah. Oh well, this is going to be a surprise because I was just assuming child endangerment. So Erica. So I am. This is me just doing stereotypes. Um, very much like. Know, you're, I mean, we'll talk about that, but like, <laughs> I, 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 I do like this movie. I don't love it, but ah. we can mm. we can get into that. Um, we'll, we'll get into it because we're going to be talking about Cujo. Um, now, Erica, we'll start with you. What trailer would you show for Cujo? Actually, I'm going to defer to Lance first because I'm afraid he's going to steal mine. No, I definitely did not steal yours. You so sure? I think. All right. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to cheat a little bit mm. because I, I, the the trailer that I had in mind for it has a doesn't have a good trailer that actually represents what the most of the movie is about. Mm. So we had just talked about this in our bloody sect episode. The director of this, um, the film that we covered also mm. did another movie called a dog called vengeance. Uh, yes, you did. Oh uh, yes. Mm. Slash El Peril. But mm. the trailer for it doesn't really, it, it mainly focuses on the political, uh, the, like the um, the trailer mainly focuses on like the the political plot that's going on and like the rebels and what they're trying to do and stuff mm. like that. So it doesn't really it wouldn't make sense if it played right before Cujo. Mm. But if you took the parts of the trailer that do have the dog chasing after Jason Miller mm. in it, um, 
and then mashed it up. So like Alamo Draft House does like these kind of clip show things. Um, that's our local theater here in Austin. Um, they'll do like mashup trailers. So I want to do a mashup trailer with a dog called Vengeance and the Terminator. Oh shit. Oh wow. And Erica was kind enough to create a Alamo Draft House mashup. Here it is. <laughs> bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead But I would I would need to make sure that like the the trailer had the specific moment where Kyle is talking to uh, Sarah and he's like, it can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop ever until mm. you are dead. So like if you match these two together, you'd have the perfect trailer before Cujo. I that is I can do awesome. that. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, because yeah, <laughs> I have been meaning to see because I think it was on as you mentioned it was on Pure Cinema. Um, they mentioned yes, it. Yeah. Um, and I love Jason Isaacs. Um, so much. I mean, oh Jason Miller. Yeah. Jason Miller. Sorry, why did I keep yeah. saying Jason Isaacs? Um, another another completely different actor. I love Jason Miller a lot purely for Ninth Configuration and The Exorcist and all that kind of stuff. I, I just love yeah. so. Him being chased by a dog, I think, um, even though I think you're a bit half and half on, I think I'd still, I'm still really keen to see that movie. And there's also now Blood Sake, which is now sitting in my vinegar syndrome thing. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, that sounds absolutely perfect. And that mashup sounds absolutely amazing. Um, no, that's ab- absolutely perfect. Especially that Kyle Reese speech is, uh, is absolutely, sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, I love actually I think I'm more of a fan of the original Terminator than I am T2 which I know is sacrilege I'm with you. no I'm no yeah. it's not. I, I, I agree yeah. <laughs> I am with you 100% yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah how rough and ready it is and how original it feels and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing it just yeah Cameron's having to work with a limit and I yeah, I prefer that even though he only made one movie okay. himself so um Lance what are you going to choose for Cujo uh, I'm picking a made-for-TV horror film hmm. uh, directed by John McPherson, um, who only has a handful of directing credits. Uh, this is Strays from 1991. Found their dream house. Well, it does have a certain charm in an Amityville kind of way. Now, it's about to become their worst nightmare. You know, what you found in your bedroom sounds like uh, dominant male marking his territory. Brand. God put that rock there for a purpose, and um, I'm not so sure you should um, move it or something. So what are you telling us? We have a wildcat living in our backyard? They've been around people all their lives, so uh, they're not afraid at all. Anybody home? They have nine lives. We only have one. Thank you. 
Kathleen Quinlan, Timothy Busfield, Claudia Christian, and William Boyette. Strays. So it's about this married couple played by Kathleen Quinlan, who mm. I love, and uh, Timothy Busfield. They purchased this home that's this kind of isolated uh, house out in the country to get away from the city. Uh, but them and their young daughter soon find out that the house is overrun by vicious, rabid cats <laughs> who begin terrorizing the family and just killing people in the area. So I specifically picked this because I don't want to put the full focus on dogs as pets who can kill. Cats can be just as deadly, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. as ferocious, uh, usually more so. And, you know, when you do have them for pets, we've, you know, we've had cats in the Adopt, we adopt all our pets too. Mm. You, yes. <laughs> uh, but strays, you know, helps prove this. You know, people say, so, you know, if you watch Jaws, you know, mm. you're scared to swim in the water because you think all sharks are like that. You watch Cujo, you think all St. Bernard's might be like, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, watch watch strays yeah. and let me know what you think about cats after this. I you know would be good as like a clip to put in there too, like speaking to like the Alamo Draft House pre shows mm. kind uh, of thing, is that. Um, Goonies, where like they're in the cave and the and the bats come and the girls like rabies, rabies, yes. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be absolutely yes. I d- Laird, come on, <laughs> so Laird. Um, I didn't get none of that at my at my theaters, and I'm disappointed. Esther, you need to up your game. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's that sounds. I I love killer cat movies. Actually, I have a special love. Any kind of like uncanny, um, mm. the oh the oh I'm blanking the one with the boat, um, Grayson, the uninvited, the uninvited, but the cat within yeah. a cat, um, I love that movie. Um, yeah, so I am definitely gonna have to check out Strays. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I think Scream Factory might have a Blu-ray, but uh, yeah, I it, it's made for TV, so know that going mm. into it, you know that there's definitely an atmosphere, and it's a '90s. It was released in '91. But it feels like a 1980 made-for-TV horror movie. Like almost yeah. all made-for-TV horror movies feel like like they came from the 90s or something. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the performances—they go full on. You know, just you believe Kathleen Quinlan is so deathly afraid of these cats who—they're supposed to be ferocious, but they're really not. I mean, when you see them. They're not on the acting level as Cujo. I mean, they're just. <laughs> yeah, Cujo's uh, actually, he is terrifying when it's not the dog, when it's like the guy in the suit or whatever yeah. mechanical head that they've got. That's when he's terrifying. When it's just Cujo hanging out, I'm like, oh, he's a good boy. Okay, so my final trailer, uh, my trailer, I'm going complete opposite and I'm going for the reason why as a kid I really wanted a St. Bernard. I had read Cujo by this point and it was. A, Loved the idea of a St. Bernard. But I'm going Beethoven from 1992. Throughout the history of motion pictures, there have been many big dog stars. Toto had a big adventure. Petey had a big appetite. Rin Tin Tin was a big hero. And Lassie had a big heart. You've come back. But now, Ivan Reitman, who brought you Ghostbusters, Kindergarten Cop, and Twins, proudly presents the biggest dog star of them all. 
The lovable, nice. <laughs> the lovable um, uh, Saint Bernard, of course, with the great Charles Grodin and Bonnie Hunt. I have it's, Stanley Tucci is actually in this movie, which I forgot about. Um, no, this is it's just one of the again early '90s dopey family comedies that always had to introduce the grumpy father and this kind of um, insane element to the family that ruins everything. And that, of course, is a giant dog, good Beethoven. And um, this was a rewatch for me when I was a kid. I adored this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how well it holds up. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the St. Bernard thing for my trailer. <laughs> Have you seen the sequel? Wasn't there a part two? There's like six of them, I think. Second. Oh, there's yeah. like six. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked it up and went, that's a little... time. They're going for it. They really are. They're really going <laughs> to milk everything they can from this dog. Um, but no, Beethoven. yeah, I haven't seen Beethoven the second yet. I've only seen the first one. <laughs> Cool. That's a good. That's good. Yeah, Saint Bernard yeah. pick. It's. I mean, I, I also. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But like the dog trainer in here, mm-hmm. he also worked on the Beethoven films and the oh, special okay, effects guy sense. and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Oh Ooh, yeah. Clip. They have the. Uh, clip. What is it? Um, Stupid sexy Flanders a Simpsons episode where like they're stranded out in the snow. I think that's the right one. And then mm. the Saint Bernard comes up with a little thing on its Stupid Sexy Flanders. Yes, it's when they're doing that, um is it when they're doing the um uh, it's like they're a corporate like, exercise. Pair up. Paired up and he's paired yeah. up with stupid sexy Flanders. <laughs> yeah. yes. Something like I, I might have the wrong I might be mixing up my Simpsons snowbound episodes, but yeah, it's like a corporate retreat and they're all paired up and I think someone gets lost in the snow, but then like a Snape Bernard comes up with like the little thing around its, the little barrel around its neck. Sorry. I'm just thinking of like clip show stuff for pre-show. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm going to actually start doing the clip show. I'm I'm putting notes on my phone going, remember this, remember that. Um, This is going to be really, really fun. Um, No, it's, it's, I, I love those episodes and yeah, this the fact that the Saint Bernard was the one that found you in the snow and brought you whiskey, even as a kid, I was like, I like that dog. I like yeah. the fact that it just like is there to again go back to breeding, which is disgusting, but it was actually a working dog to help uh people in the snow. Um sure. and it's yeah, and then we're going into a movie that is about a dog that's had enough. And yes, he has it's not his fault. He has rabies. Um, but I kind of was on Cujo's side for most of this movie, to be honest. I saw him really. He has yellow eyes and he has teeth and he made sounds. What kind of sound? Did you fix it? No, I don't have the tools. Damn this car. Take it out, Joe Cameras. It's only seven miles. We've arrived, Tatter. Yeah, but is anybody home? Hello? Cujo! Cujo. I can't get my dad on the All right. You pull while I push. <laughs> Oh, I can't get it. Oh. <sighs> okay, we'll go to Lance because this is your pick first. Um, 
have you had a long history with Kujer? I saw it once before this rewatch mm. for the podcast. Uh, I was young. I mean, I'm very young. Mm. My, my mom loved Stephen King books, you know, read them all. We had them on the shelf. I've actually never read Cujo, mm. but um, any type of movie that in, in, any adaptation of his that came out, uh, we would watch at the house. Uh, so I didn't remember. I mean, I'm, I know the whole story, but uh, this felt like a brand new watch for me when I was watching it again. Mm. So I have long history with Stephen King and books and stuff like that. But this movie was pretty much brand new. I it, just love the idea of, of, of teaming in something like Cujo and with Best in Show. Like. <laughs> it's like the bread dogs finally had enough and is like out for revenge. Um, it's lucky I hadn't watched Monster Dog before because oh I'd probably pick Monster Dog with Best in Show. <laughs> Which we probably would not have agreed to do. <laughs> Lindsay's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> hey, I've done, I've gone, I like this person, I'll watch Irreversible for you. So yeah, I might have actually just gone, yeah, I'll watch Monster Dog. I like Lance. <laughs> um, okay, Erica, you said, like, I, just because I went through poor um, Danny um, Pintero is in complete danger and constantly near death in this movie so i just unfortunately instantly assume that you've gone yes i like this movie um but you sound like you have a more complicated history or you have come more complicated feelings toward it yeah i mean so i'm i, I watch this um i'm i'm i think maybe junior high or something mm. i mean i'm i know i rented it um and i think same with lance like this rewatch was like kind of watching it brand new again mm. Um, and, and I have read the book. I, um, well, I read it when I was a kid. I reread it last week cause mm. I was, I was just curious to go back to it. And you I, love the book. I like the book because the kid dies in the book. <laughs> he does. Yes. I forgot and, about uh, that. Cause I flicked through my copy as well and I didn't read all of it, but I flicked to the end and went, Oh shit. I forgot Ted dies. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not, you know, obviously I'm a fan of child endangerment. So like, mm. I don't, I'm not, I, I do appreciate that aspect of it. But what takes it out of it for me is that it, it's not, oh God, this sounds awful. It's not fun child endangerment. Like there's like Hong Kong movies have a certain like fun child endangerment. Mm. Like, you know, there, there's certain movies where like a, a girl gets kidnapped and the guy's holding her by her hair outside the car window. I was just thinking of that scene. <laughs> I mean, shit like that. That's fun. Yeah. This isn't fun. And also, like, Danny Pintero, like, his performance is great for, for yeah. a kid. Yeah. But his crying and screaming made my ovaries shrivel up and die. It really does. Like, it's I. It's just, it's like, it's nails on chalkboard. When a kid starts screaming and crying like that. There's a lot of that. I yes. can't fucking deal with it. I have to point out, though, that his crying and screaming is some of the best child acting it's good and that's what's hard about it is because i'm just like i i appreciate it but i it's real i mean mm. it seems very yeah. yeah it's like it's like a kid having a fucking tantrum in a grocery store and i'm like yeah. I, I can't i can't deal with this noise like it's it it's grating to me and so i think i think i do like this movie i think it's it's very well um i, I think a lot of people go into it thinking like you're gonna watch the dog outside the car for an hour and a half mm. and that doesn't happen until almost over an hour into the film so mm. it's really on the last 30 minutes or so and 
I think it's it sets up everybody really well. Like you care about the characters, you know um, what the stakes are. You care about the dog. You you know I think it does a good job of conveying from the time that Cujo is uh, bitten by the by the bat to the time that he's attacking the car. Like what's affecting him? Like loud noises are really affecting mm. him. He's getting upset and he stops eating and like. You know, I, I like that it takes the time to set that up. I do like the movie. I think it's, I, I, I can, and I appreciate a lot of the work that went into it, especially because, you know, working, you're working with like a double whammy here, kids and animals in one movie. Yeah. So I can definitely appreciate what Teague did here. I, I think it's, I think it's a good movie. I just, I don't <laughs> love it though. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Cause um, I, Cujo was one of the first Stephen King books I'd ever read. Um, it was that in Pet Cemetery. When you're 12 years old, that's a friggin' double whammy. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about child death in horrible, horrible ways. Um, and this is actually the first time I'd seen it. And I think it was because I was kind of avoiding it because I knew it was going to be young um, uh, Danny Pintaro as Tad s- stuck in a car and not being actually terrified. And... Um, I think Dee Wallace has even talked about half of her stuff with him wasn't acting because she was, her mother instincts kicked in, but at the same time, she's like, can you just, I need you to shush. I I, I need you to, like, you know, when she screams, all right, I'll get your daddy. Like, that's kind of, um, feels very realistic to a mother who's not being able to help her child, yet at the same time needs him to calm down because you're you're in a tiny space with him. And he's just acting like what a four-year-old, five-year-old, would be in that situation. Um, I'd be screaming my head off if I was stuck in a car with a large dog um, covered in ooze and blood. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, watching it, but it was such a surprise because as Erica said, you are not in the car the whole time. You are literally in this family drama and, and it's a great one. I mean, I love Dee Wallace's um, arc and this is this uh, woman who's checked out essentially from her life I mean she she's apparently is has what you're meant to have but at the same time it's suffocating because you have a a child and a, a husband who looks like he's working all the time so yes you have an affair and by the end of the movie she's having to clock back in because it's her son's life is at stake more than hers i think than anything else it's that her son's in danger so it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing performance from from d wallace i mean incredible yeah absolutely yeah it, it, they're the the dynamic between her and her son uh tad are just it's totally believable all the actions and the way that they talk like i i love the focus on it you're right it it does it sets up a long it's not that long but you do it establishes the characters it kind of takes its time and you just kind of sit back and realize once they're in the car once cujo is full on with rabies and stuff and just, you know, smashing his head against cars and jumping through windows, all the people, all the characters in this, except for the children, Tad and then that camber. Mm-hmm. Um, all the adults are terrible. Yeah. yeah. They are, they seem so unhappy with where they are in their life and they take it out on each other or they take it out just in some sort of, you know, violent manner on their spouse or on, you know, just whatever it, Everybody in this movie <laughs> is terrible, uh, but I I love this movie. I loved I you know rewatching it probably. I mean it's 
definitely over 30 years ago. Mm. I'm aging myself here, Stop but it, uh, yeah, that I was so focused in on the, uh, and I read a couple of reviews on Letterboxd, like, you know, before I sat down and watched it again. And a lot of it was like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty boring. I mean, you know, there's, it needs more Cujo, like more, more or less. Uh, but the, the whole focus, like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that this movie is all about the performances and the the crew the the crew just seemed completely on point with like Jan de Bont on cinematographer mm-hmm. the uh, it was a Charles Bernstein the uh, yeah the the score I mean uh, Louis Teague I mean everybody seemed to be firing on all cylinders and like Louis Teague was brought in like two days before it was shooting because they replaced the, the the first selected director oh wow and the way they you know Jan de Bont just kind of worked with him everybody just seemed to be working together and. I was just so kind of captivated by like every scene and and seeing how things were shot like the interior of that car is just insane because like, mm. it's a it's a tiny car i'm sure you know i know that they they did cut up i think i because like i four or five cars yeah they had different yeah. they had a different amount of cars so they just cut them up in different areas so you can film in different angles and i mean it, to me it's just like I don't know. Like the the camera work alone was is what really elevated the whole film for me. Yeah, that that spinning shot. Oh, yeah. that's amazing! Um, yeah, they were on top of it. They had, and I guess Debont couldn't even see what he was shooting. Mm. He just had to be like, okay, look in. All right, this it is was where like a periscope. Is. Yeah, yeah, like a periscope exactly, and like just spun it around and like paused where he thought they were, and it mm. turned out like, oh, he got him. And like that's like stuff like that. I think it, like. It has a lot of creative flourishes that you don't normally expect from like a fucking Stephen King horror movie. You mm. expect like you're going to get some, you know, probably pretty generic schlock. Mm. Um, right. Or and, some supernatural. Like during that time, too, mm-hmm. most of his movies were supernatural. Yeah. But this is just straightforward. Well, there's supposed to be a supernatural element to in it with like the monster in the closet. Like that it right. didn't carry over from the book where that's actually supposed to be the serial killer from the dead zone. Or it's heavily implied mm. in the book oh, wow. that mm. it is. And that didn't carry over. Like Stephen King wrote the original screenplay and changed the ending for the kid to not die. <laughs> but then like it, they kept that as part of it because Steve King has actually gone back and said, yeah, I shouldn't have killed the kid. And that that was, yeah, that was a huge that. downer. And mm. I'm like, come on. He was in a rough place in his life is what he said. Like he doesn't remember. He did some of his best work in his rough place in his life. Most well, people no, do. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I haven't read Cujo, but you're right. I mean, I'm I'm all for a downer of an indie. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, but yeah, I, I, he probably changed it because of, you know, the it was a Warner Brothers back. Right. Series. Yeah. They're not gonna. They're not gonna they're, let that happen. They're anymore. not gonna kill the cat. But yeah, no. Stephen <laughs> King in the because Cujo was written in like the late seventies. I want to say. So is this the? Because I know I there's, I know there's one famous book he wrote that he couldn't remember writing. Was it Cujo? Um, or was it? I always thought, it was, yeah, it was the other, yeah. So that was the book. So I always thought it was Pet Cemetery, think, which again, Cujo, yeah. Cujo um, again, very dark book um, um, of just constantly killing children. But it's, yeah, he really did some of his best work when he was in his darkest place, which is weird. Um, I don't know. I was kind of relieved that he didn't kill the kid in this movie, um, even though it felt like he should have. It would have felt. Um, more realistic to the what the movie was doing if Tad had died. Like you can't, it's all setting that up really, really cleanly. And the fact that he just suddenly comes back to life miraculously is kind of that one moment where I'm like, 
oh yeah, this is a studio movie. This isn't because um, everything else leading up to that feels very much independent. Like these guys are kind of doing things like the camera move in the car, um, all little character setups. The fact that this is as much a melodrama as it is a horror movie. All this feels like no one's paying attention to them until they don't kill. Uh, until um, Tad survives, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, because dying in a car is um horrific um and yeah there's a reason why uh, there are so many sort of ads we had it like in new zealand had to have because new zealanders will famously leave their kids in a car um and we had like um campaigns of like don't leave your kids in the car just don't do it like <laughs> yeah which even yeah, I remember I, being kind of sitting in a car going, oh, mom's taking a while. Um, it was like a cultural kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, luckily it doesn't get as hot in New Zealand as it does like in, say, Australia or in America and all that kind of thing. But it was like, I mean, even Taika Waititi made a movie, a, a short film about kids being left in a car while the parents are at the pub. I mean, that is was just normal. Um, yeah. and so, there are stories in Texas, too, where like a baby's left in the car and then... You know, in the Texas heat, it's oh. terrible. Yeah, I believe it. Because I mean, like in Cuja, like you're getting at Lindsay, the you know the horror element obviously is this attack, uh, rabid dog, this yeah. vicious dog. But yeah, when you're looking at them stuck in this car, I don't know if it's a longer period in the book or if it is like about a day or two. It's about a day or two in, mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. But um, I mean, they're they're in the car for a bit. There's always beads of sweat. Um, I did see, I watched a little bit of the making of Cujo. Yeah, and, they shot during the winter. Yeah, it was like 40 degrees outside. Yeah. Uh, and, and But uh, that, that them being stuck in the car, just the makeup that they throw on them, they kind of zombify them like immediately. They have these dark, hollowed eyes, mm. the, the sweat, they, the, the lips, the chapped lips, everything just starts looking rough. To me, in a short period of time, like it, it feels like it should have been a little more drawn out. But then again, it is the heat you know Mm -hmm. i think this is supposed to take place in maine so i don't know how hot it gets in Mm -hmm. maine but uh that is like a whole nother horror element that's added just being you know being stuck alone like in a house is one thing but being stuck in a single car with your child where the car can't move and then you have this monster outside yeah Mm. i really like how they pulled all that uh pulled that in yeah but yeah i'm Oh, I'm interested sorry. about the monster no the, the monster in the bed element like maybe that's what or the monster under the bed or in the closet maybe that's why in the book like the monster gets them or something or... no it, it it doesn't it's it's heavily implied that like there is a supernatural element there but because like the 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 underlying themes are all about like you know fears and like real monsters versus fake monsters and so like that element carried over into the film where tad is like oh my god there's a real fucking monster outside yeah mm-hmm. they spend because they have like his list his monster list mm-hmm. that i mean it's and that scene of him running from the bed turning off the light running from the light to the bed yeah that is one of my favorite scenes like it's shot so well I did that after I saw Jaws. Oh, me too. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I you totally did that Jaws, after watching Jaws. Saw, Jaws can get you anywhere. You guys can. thought a shark was going to come out yes. of the- Yes. <laughs> right. Come on. I was more scared of like Ray Brower, like the dead body and stand by me. Like if I'm like <laughs> taking a dump as a kid, I, I figured like he would just like open a cabinet and his head would peek out. And what do I do? I got my pants down. Like that kid scared me to death. <laughs> actually also i didn't 
there was a thing where after I saw it for the first time, I didn't want to go to the bathroom. Like I held on for longer than I should have just because I was thought, if I go near a drain, a clown's going to come out and I'm not having that at all. And that was a TV movie. Like Tim Curry was going to um, somehow get me. Uh, um, I, I'm, yeah, I miss being a kid and being that scared. I like, I, yeah. Uh, it's a good feeling. No, I honestly thought when I was in bed that Jaws was just swimming around my bedroom after um, I'd yeah. gone to bed. Like, yeah, he can get you anywhere. It's just not just the beach. Like, he can he can come and get you. Um, he is rolling his eyes at us, Lindsay. I'm not rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just think Jaws is scary when you go to the beach and you're in the water. I still don't go into the water. I know, but when you go into bed, you shouldn't be scared of Jaws. You like, don't know where Jaws can go when you're six, seven years old. You don't. You yeah. Movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And But the turning off the light and him trying to jump into bed is such a kid thing to do because it kind of yeah. sets up that thing of, of Tad going, okay, monsters are in the dark. But then when he meets Kujo, it's full daylight. And mm-hmm. it kind of does that, it does that switch so well of – Yes, this kid is afraid of the monster in, in the closet or under the bed, and then he meets a full-blown monster, and he just loses it, like, so quickly, which I, I also appreciated. And he's that every single time, which I'm like, yeah, if I was that kid's age, I'd actually, as an adult, I'd still, I'd be like, Tad, I'd be screaming my head off. Um, <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I would not do well in that car. Um, all I wanted to do was drink water. <laughs> I was watching this movie. I was just like, another drink, another drink, another drink. Um <laughs> Because they can't. It's they are stuck without any resources, which is um, incredible. Like I love the scenes of like D just uh, of looking around the backyard. Okay, I see the bat. All right, I can see where the door is. I see the fact that he's broke broken the the window into the house. Um, all these little things. Like she's kind of it's taking her ages because if she gets out of that car and she's killed, then Tad's left alone. Which is a big thing from the book from memory. Like, she doesn't want to do anything because she's just like, if that door's locked and that dog gets me, then he's just alone in the car. It's, mm-hmm. um, and that is a horrifying thought in itself. So, yeah, this, I really, really like this movie. Even though I think the added effectiveness of Tad screaming his head off kind of adds to the tension almost because, again, there's no way out of this car. I mean, Kuta's just, like, lying there watching them constantly. He's not really taking his eyes off them at all. He's 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 that um, when your pet loves a toy and he can't, and he knows it's somewhere, like, if you're playing that game, you've kind of hidden it and you want to see what he does, which is apparently what they did. They just kept putting toys, their favorite toys around the car, so they were like, I yeah. want to get my toy. Um <laughs> And they're just watching and they don't let it go. Like, it's just like, I know it's there. I know you have it. I want it. And I'm not leaving till I get my toy. Um, it's, yeah, and that, that is that is Kujo, but it's it's people and he's going to mold them to death. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, another great part of this, too, is, like, how rabid he actually does look. Mm. You know, it's like, he looks just oh my god Ugh. busted like what i think they used like um whipped egg whites for the foam and, mm. and i can't even imagine trying to use like corn syrup or any kind any kind of food on a dog they just yeah. lick that shit off apparently like, they did they kept applying it because i was like oh hello <laughs> but he i mean he looks like you know he 
he looks great. Well, I mean, there, there's what five or ten dogs. There, no one could give like a exact yeah, number. Yeah, the like producer said like there were six. Some people mm. were throwing out seven and five. There was a yeah. lot of Saint Bernards. Yeah, they're all trained to do different tricks. They had mm. one main dog named Mo. Yeah, mm. that was the one that went on top of the car. I yeah. think mm. right. Yeah, so he did like the big tricks, and everybody else like they just like laid them around. Like here, you just lay here, look rabid, and watch the car. <laughs> And then I think Lindsay, you mentioned like the guy in the dog suit, because mm. I know when I when I rewatch this and Cujo rams the car with his head, mm. like I knew I was like, okay, obviously that's not a real dog, but like I I rewound it and watched it at slower speed, mm. and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's clearly a yeah. man in a dog suit. <laughs> yes. Um, again, this is Maybe a movie. Yeah, there. that yeah, this movie expects has dog performers in it who are trained to be performers. But yeah. it is still within things that dogs can do. Like the most, yeah, the, the thing, the jumping on the car is like the most kind of spectacular thing that the dog does. But it's not out of the realm of um, possibility for what a dog does. It's not like um, oh, Benji or something where the dog is kind of almost turned into a human being because it has to do so many undog like things. So, um, yeah, I did like that, and I did like the fact that when, yeah, the things when I got a fright is actually the first time you see Kujo at the window. That is, like, I jumped, um, again, just because it's Yonder Bunt, he knows how to, he knows what he's doing when it comes to that kind of thing, so he just literally appears from nowhere. <laughs> just like, as soon as the yeah, door's the open, camera- I'm like, oh, close that door, I know Kujo's around. <laughs> yeah, the camera work is like, uh, Kujo's creeping up behind Dee Wallace as she's, uh, she, I think she's trying to get his seatbelt off or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you think that that camera angle, that point of view, is Cujo. Mm. But then you cut to them inside the car, and that's when Cujo just pops up. And yeah. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big dog. Because um, a lot of the times you don't forget how big he is. Because um, St. Bernard's are big dogs, like, but he kind of looks like a normal dog. Um, but I remember getting, yeah, as I think Lance pointed out, all the adults are awful people. Like, I got so upset at um, his owner, Ed Lauter playing Joe Camber um, because he wasn't noticing his dog was sick. He's just so much of an asshole, which is the typical Stephen King abusive husband character. Um, Like the way scared ways, oh, can you let us go to us? His wife asked to go on holiday is just terrifying because it's that guy. You just don't know when he's going to snap. But the way he's had, he's had, he had so many opportunities. And if you know your animal, you know when they're sick. You know when something's he, not right, and the yeah, fact that like he you, I, doesn't you, notice, me. it's like until yeah. he he's fully rabid. I'm like, you've had it. You could have seen that from the first <laughs> night that your dog didn't like not loud noises, wasn't eating. But you're an asshole, so you and a terrible dog parent, so you don't know, and it's it drove me insane. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely what it boils down to because it was very believable to me because they're you know they're kind of like this not to sound too crude, but they're like these backwoods hillbilly families Mm. that are just, you know, he doesn't really have an established uh, business. People kind of drop off stuff and he does this work on the side. Mm. You know, he's obviously a terrible husband uh, to his wife. Um, So I kind of believed the fact like, okay, we have this, you know, I I envision that they – that Cujo might have been like their fifth dog within the last two years. Like they get these country dogs that run away. Cause I, I had friends who lived out in the country when mm. I was a kid and their dogs would just roam mm. and 
you know, I would see like ticks on them and stuff and be like, what you, you guys, you know, burn these off, take them to the vet. No, it, they treat them like a country dog mm. and they're horrible. It's horrible. It, it's they're horrible people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I felt that too. Like if that was my dog, you know, if that was any one of our dogs, obviously we'd be like, uh, he's got a fucking open wound on his nose, you know, that you mm-hmm. could put a quarter in. What's, yeah. what's the deal? Like, yeah. like uh, but it, it worked for those characters because the Cambers are such, you know, the kid was worrying, but the mom was worried what the dad will think if he brings it up. So mm-hmm. it, it, that, that whole like, you know, country mentality really worked for me. And I'm again, like you said too, you're on Cujo's side. I felt sad for Cujo, like the whole movie. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I'm glad it, you know it took it took a lot to kill him. I know. It, I mean, <laughs> really I, I'm rooting rooting for him the whole time, and then at a certain point, you realize, you know, and this is you know the the dog mom and me, where you're like, okay, like he's suffering. Like mm. it's better that he like it's one of those rare movies where I'm like, yeah, he he did need to die because he was suffering. He obviously was there's no helping him. So and what I do appreciate though is that because I think this was also in the making of like Teague had mentioned like he was an animal lover and he's very aware that people like we'll watch people get killed left and right in a movie, but the second like you show someone killing an animal, they you know they're going to be mad at you. So mm-hmm. when she does kill, when she stabs him with the broken baseball bat, like they don't show it. Like, yeah, they don't show her hitting him. With they don't the show her. They just yeah. add yeah. weird squishy sound effects. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So none of that. They don't, like when she finally has to shoot him at the end, they don't show that either. So I did appreciate that at the very least. Like I didn't like the worst thing for me to hear is that like her Yelp sound yeah. like right. that just makes me cringe every time like in a sad way versus like Danny's crying which just oh god like again <laughs> I appreciate it it's a great performance it's completely believable in the context of the film but personally like it just it wears on me and it's just it's it's a reason that I wouldn't rewatch it because I would be like I can't sit through that kid crying again mm. like that's oh, wow. yeah like that's how much it like I mean, I I think people sometimes doubt how much I don't like children. Like that's like a perfect example <laughs> of of it. It's like I don't like I have to hear that. I'm not going to watch this movie again because I would have to hear that. You no, know, I well, not so much in the movie, but in real life. As soon as a kid, like I work in a bookstore, which has lots of children, um, mm-hmm. and I think they instinctively know I'm not like I'm I'm side eyeing them. But as soon as one starts, like even if it's a two year old who's discovered they have a voice and they're just screeching or um, a kid throwing a tantrum. And these are all like tiny little people who are just trying to figure out their emotions and are all little sociopaths. But they're all, to me, they're all little sociopaths and the bat noise physically hurts me. (laughs) Again, shows how much I don't like children. And, but if I hear a dog whelp, I cry. Like if I hear, if I see, like I don't like it when I see dogs tied outside of supermarkets, which I know they can't go in. So they ha- and they're with owner, they kind of have to be. But I get really kind of anxious when I see it because I'm like, that dog is obviously uh, kind of stressed because their parent isn't there to be with them and they're tied up and they're just waiting. And it, yeah. it, it kills me every time I see it. And I work in the area once a week where that's all I see is dogs tied up in front of the supermarket. I'm like, ah, stop it. Um... Children, but, children locked in hot cars, dogs 
tied up in front of super it's, yeah, it's wild I mean, it's, it's a yeah, terrible world it's a terrible world we live in adopt i always adopt no it's but the movie does this really lewis teague really does a really smart thing of instantly putting you in cujo's point of view so every single time mm-hmm. cujo's mostly every single time not every single time because you've got sort of got d willis and um the kid but you open it's with cujo you every when he's bitten and he's kind of sitting by the table and these is those two assholes are just making all this unnecessary noise and it hurts like when every time they're making noise it hurts um but you can kind of see again but you're in Kujo's point of view because it's hurting him um the only time which i actually is my favorite part of the movie but i can tell was a bit of a whoopsie doodle is when he sees um uh what's his name it's friend and he's just making all this horrible noise and then Kujo comes up to him you're behind him and you just see his tail wag <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is not the tone you want, but it I, I still love it because I'm just like, oh, he's so cute. Um, yeah. But he's about I, to murder I him. Blo- <laughs> I saw a little blooper too when Cujo crashes through the window when the phone's ringing for the yeah. first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's hand and he jumps up on the windowsill. Kind of somebody's hand pulls up, grabs him in the collar, and pulls him down. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw that. I, I didn't see that. that. I missed that. Uh, I was like, was that Cujo? Like, is that his front paw? And I rewound it i was like no that's a that's, that's a human hand's a trainer pulling mm. the dog down like mm. okay down oh. mm. I, I i saw the tail wag also when cujo was killing the camber's friend mm. too like he's on top of him and it's clearly yeah. supposed to be like mauling him mm. but they're clearly playing yeah you can just see the tail wagging and i'm like oh, that's adorable i love it because they did say they did tie the tail down as much as they yeah. could in yeah. certain scenes but yeah usually they're they're like facial or just the camera's right on Cujo to avoid the always whacking tails <laughs> of the dogs. Going, this is fun. No, but in saying that, I think it's the same thing that Eric was speaking of, the fact that you don't see him being stabbed with a bat. You don't necessarily see him being shot. You just see him lying on the floor completely in, mm-hmm. intact. Like, I always hate the shot in a horror movie where you see the blood-covered dog. I'm like, hmm, hmm. Well, you always have, yeah, it, like, that's why I will always love, um, well, no, actually, Hills of Eyes does that, but then you've got Beast, who, like, kicks all the ass and survives, and it's the best. Um, but it's, um, yeah, he kind of shields you from that a little bit, because he knows that the one thing you, most people don't want to see is a hurt dog and a, a dying, a, a, well, he is dying, but a, a dead child. So he's kind of, it's a tricky movie to try and get the tone right. I think they he manages it a lot, but I do like the fact that they just kind of let the dog. You you, you see the dog that's that dog is playing. He's not mauling, and it kind of gives you. Um, yeah, you're just more enthralled with with Cujo or Mo as as it probably was maybe um, than anything else. Uh, instead of being scared of this, um, yeah, because yeah, as I said, when it's Cujo on screen, I'm not scared. When it's a guy in a suit or that massive mechanical head that they have, that's when I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> that's when I tend to jump back a little bit. But um, no, and that's maybe why I love this movie as much. I think I could handle Tad's crying because I was like, well, that what would happen in the car and i'd be d wallace just going insane um but at the same time i was just like yeah i'm gujo side kill him kill them all <laughs> take your frustrations out in the world um yeah because i when he goes for it loud i was like yeah kill him he's an he's yep. an asshole he's not he, he doesn't he's he, you're his dog you're not anything else you're just a possession you're not it's not about inviting this living creature into your home it's about I own this dog and yeah, kill him, kill him. <laughs> yeah. 
Which is how he sees his family. I mean, the fact that the wife is so scared to ask to go on holiday, I'd be like, oh, that's yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that whole scene, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's bizarre. And you don't really get that. At, so I know I, I said it's like this backwoods kind of family, mm. this country family. And it, it kind of builds up because you're, you're almost like he's first introduced by that goofy postman. That's like, go to Joe Camper. He'll fix anything. <laughs> yes. You know? And you're like, oh, this He's going to go to a nice mechanic guy mm. and you go out there and meet him and he's going to take care of his car. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you quickly find out how just terrible all the characters are. Like even that Kemp character who's a fucking psycho who D Wallace is sleeping with. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, who, who is her, her, her real husband? Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, like he's kind of presented kind of like uh, Cam Camber at first where could be a nice guy, but they just show their true colors like pretty quick. And yeah, up. who has a headshot of themselves like in the house? Maybe did he give it to her, or give give did she give it to him? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird, but no, the fact that she's across the room, like near the door, when she's sort of saying, "Yeah, I think we need to stop seeing each other," sort of again speaks volumes about that guy's character. And then the fact that he goes out and chases her, the fact that he assaults her, the fact that he um because. Even though um, her husband, uh, played by I think Daniel Hugh Kelly, um, is really indifferent, and but he's the only one because even though all the cops are like, ah, she's probably just gone away somewhere. Ah, okay, so he's kidnapped her. Okay, so what? Well, we've got no leads. What do you want us to do? It's um, yeah. everyone has no sense of urgency of the fact because I love the motif of the ringing phone, the fact that it's a thing to trigger Cujo, and also mm -hmm. that it's kind of a sign that no one's in the house. I think is. Um, a really interesting way of using that that ring. Again, a really harsh sound that you're just like, oh, God, someone please answer the phone. Um, and the fact that he's the only one in the movie that's showing any kind of urgency about the fact that, hey, a woman and a child are missing and no one seems to be all that worried about any of this um, is, yeah, speaks a lot about this indifference of the town and the fact that everyone is awful. Yeah, I mean, I guess his character isn't too bad. Obviously, he does. There's some past stuff that we're not. It's an unhappy marriage. Yeah. Uh, but he he's not really too much of an asshole. He does like leave, you know, for a business trip, and mm. he's doing ad campaigns where <laughs> that's red dye that kids are pissing and puking, which is. <laughs> I do like the yeah. ad. I do like the ad actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they keep showing in the beginning. <laughs> He is probably the least crummy uh, adult or person in mm. this. I mean, I, I'm rooting for Dee Wallace the whole time because she's so believable and she's such a strong, like, uh, character. Mm. Uh, she's hand, you know, she's handling it the way a, a, a lot of real people you, that you can relate to. I mean, she's she's definitely emotional. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's just a, a, a fantastic, an amazing performance. Mm. Um but you know she has her flaws too as a character. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just a a, a, a town full of assholes and a and a rabid dog. It, I mean, it's <laughs> it is Castle Rock. No, I love the fact that she goes from a character who has very little agency. Like she's kind of almost given up. I mean, yeah, there's probably things that have happened in that marriage previously. It's not happy. You don't always get the sense, but you get the sense that things have happened. Certain things have probably mm -hmm. happened before. And she's just kind of given up all her agency to go, okay, whatever, I'll have a affair with this guy who's obviously not great. Uh, my husband's kind of putting a face on everything, even though he's checked out. My kid's just being a, my kid. 
And by the end of the movie, she's actually taking back all the power, all the agency that she has to try and get out of the situation. And it is literally to kill the monster. Um, because Cujo's at the stage where he's, yeah, he's just suffering and it's not good for anyone. And he's just going to keep coming back. I mean, he is the Terminator in a way. Um, so it's, yeah, I love her performance. I love D. Wells every single time. I, even, in e, even in E.T., she's amazing. You, could, oh, you yeah. get the sense that this is a single mother struggling with everything. Um, and the fact that her kids have just brought this alien into the house is just one added piece of bullshit that she now has to deal with. And you're just like, oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, and the howling, she's amazing. It's, yeah, I think she's kind of an actor that never got her dues because I think when you watch her, she is so good at those little subtle things of this, again, in Cujo, this woman who's just in this impossible situation and she just doesn't know what to do. And it just takes, yeah, no one's going to figure out how to deal with the situation that they're in. They're completely, completely isolated. Um, I mean, if they made this today, the cell phones would have to be addressed. And like most mm-hmm. horror movies from the eighties, a cell phone could, or a mobile phone could quickly fix everything. But at the same time, you're so remote that even then, I think it would still be the same situation. Um, that the fact that you're completely alone, no one is, is there to help. Your husband is left to work on a campaign and because he's you've, he's found out about infidelity. But the fact that uh, it, there's so many things going on that it, and it's all in her, how she reacts to things. I, I love her so much in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm she's, gushing. She's, <laughs> no, no. I mean, she, honestly, she is she's great in everything she never she never phones it in like mm. i watched her in um both her and her husband uh in in, in real life christopher stone mm. we're, we're in this christ exploitation top gun movie that called the shepherd mm. and i got i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie i got drawn in because i was like oh d wallace and her husband are in that oh there's a fighter pilot holding a sheep on the poster (laughs) this looks interesting and it's promising to be bursting with top gun action so Mm. i was like hell yeah i'm gonna watch this and no it's terrible but (laughs) d wallace great as always yeah (laughs) she gets stuck with some really great child actors i mean with Mm -hmm. et and then Mm. you have uh danny pantero Pantero, Mm. i mean and I know she's kind of known for like her motherly roles mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, she's just she kind of elevates the whole family dynamic in any movie she's in, whether she's a single uh, parent or, you know, in a in a married situation. I mean, she's she elevates everything. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah, she is really great, um, and she's one of the best things about this movie. Yeah, Danny Pantera is great, but also everyone else is just kind of not up to her level and i think when you're in the car and it's just her and in um tad um i think that's when the movie really starts kicking into another gear because you've been in this sort of melodrama which i was enjoying by the way i mean it kept reminding you that Cujo was there and he was getting sicker and sicker um which i liked but you're sort of in this marriage melodrama that's kind of falling apart um and she carries this whole movie him her and her and the dogs i would say carry this movie yeah I would say also Charles Bernstein's uh, original score too. Mm, yes. that, uh, you know, it, it's funny cause I did watch, uh, you know, Cujo first and usually I do kind of make comments on the, the score and how it starts off kind of whimsical, mm. kind of Disney-esque with the rabbit in the field. It yeah. does, and those are yeah. the words like he used too, like in the making of, 
but it progressively kind of grows. It, it gets it, it, right from the beginning, though. Uh, you know, they, they have the title card of the Cujo with the blood kind of swirling and stuff. And he gave Cujo's theme like this French horn that he kind of lifted from his good friend John Williams from the Jaws theme. You know, it does kind of have that same kind of uh, note, just that. Mm. Dun, dun. Um, but in the beginning of the film, you know, it's kind of. It's kind of like you're watching like you know a, a live action bambi for a little bit and the music's real kind of happy-go-lucky you're in this family situation and it, everything kind of progressively gets worse as you're seeing cujo kind of transform into this slimy killing mess mm. and the music is going along with it so the way he kind of pulls in those two tones mm-hmm. uh, kind of it, it, it kind of blew me away because this was before he did nightmare on elm street which has you know yeah, mm. the theme in Nightmare on Elm Street is just so recognizable. This, though, I think, I don't know, for a horror film, I think it's just as strong. Like the theme, especially during the end credits, where like everything's ended, you're just kind of watching the credits roll because it has that that freeze frame and then just the credits roll, and you're just left with the music. It's a really good theme, and I think he really drives the like the scenes along and the pacing. No, I think the music really sort of emphasizes the kind of this idea that Cujo's kind of soaking up all the toxicity in the movie between these all the characters. Um, he's kind of the one that's unfortunately since he's been bitten and had a coin, you know, coin sized um, freaking cut in his no- in his nose. Um, that he's kind of. I mean, this is how I read it. This is not anything to do with the movie, but it kind of feels like he's kind of soaking in all this horribleness and it's just really just affected him because of the rabies. Um, And so when you do get to the end and it's just the car, it's just everything just coming back on poor D D Wallace. Um, But I think it makes it really effective. And I think the music and then the score just really emphasize that because you do have those kind of two tones and then the way they meet together when you finally get to the, to the campers, campers house, I think really kind of reflects that and I just yeah it, it's for me this is a really strong move I'm kind of glad I finally watched it I don't know if I watch it as much as I watch best in show um <laughs> mainly because of Danny screaming his head off as well um yeah. but... replace Danny with uh Fred Willard and yes we... <laughs> <laughs> I've been cracking jokes inside the car yeah. <laughs> maybe we should put a little jockey on him see where he goes <laughs> um yeah, that would that would be wonderful. Let's do that. Um, so, yeah, this I think this is a really strong movie, and I like Lewis Teague as a director. I mean, this is the guy who made Alligator, which is the other great Animal Attack movie. Um, yeah, makes sense. He would be, you know, a pick for Cujo. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, and that again is a, a movie that has really sort of strong character driven and and everything like that and no i i really did enjoy enjoy cujo a lot any other thoughts about cujo before we finish up i think i touched on everything yeah i'm good yeah thank you so much for bringing this double and then finally i got to watch cujo and then i just got to watch best in show because that's an awesome awesome movie and thank you so much for um spending time giving up time and coming on to this uh to shock and all this has been absolutely amazing yeah, thanks so much, Lindsay. Yeah, Always a blast. <laughs> and thank you for being on our year-end episode, and hopefully we'll get you back on another episode soon. Yes. Oh, no, I would part. I would absolutely love that. No, that, that uh, best uh, top five was an absolute blast just to hang out with you guys and Anthony was just the best time. So thank you so much for having me on for, for that. Um, before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work. 
Uh, sure. So you can follow Unsung Horrors on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Unsung Horrors. And then I am um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Hex Massacre. Yeah, and I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at El Shivey. Definite follows. Um, I love Unsung Horrors. I get so many just great recommendations, and the pairing at the end is always the blast of where you guys go. Um, yeah, I love, even when I don't know a movie very well, I will just still listen to it, even though it has spoilers. Uh, what was that? It was a Hong Kong movie. It wasn't Hex. It was, um, I still haven't managed to track it down that had massive spoilers, but the brothel, um, Oh, Corpse Mania? Corpse Mania. That still sounds like the most amazing movie with so many uh, twists in it and all that kind of thing. So, um, if you guys do another Shaw, um, Shaw August or whatever it was, I would be Mm -hmm. very excited. (laughs) We'll we'll see. They're, like the Shaw Brothers have limited horror movies. They do, and, like, yeah. Um, you know the the few that are out there, we covered two, mm. and then others already have either over a thousand or they don't have um, releases or aren't streaming. There there are at least two or three. So I'm gonna we haven't we haven't discussed it, but I'm gonna say maybe. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Every month's starting to turn into a theme, and I don't. I think we should kind of stay. Away. I mean, we have April showers of blood, which is mm. unlimited amount of. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very August, easy. We'll run out after this year if we do it. Yeah, that'd be it. That, that'd no, be it. No rules yeah. November, which is fun as hell. Mm. I think we should keep that. Okay, we can keep that. Mm. We'll see because I want to do Monster Dog. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it all goes back to Monster Dog. Oh, it all roads lead back to Monster Dog. Um, yeah, thank you so so much um this has been an absolute blast if you want to follow uh, thank you for listening if you want to follow, follow schlock and awe it's schlock and awe one on instagram and twitter and it is uh if you want to follow me it's reading geek on twitter and letterboxd um and again thank you for coming on this was absolutely amazing um yeah again i love hanging out with you guys because just so inventive of the way you look at movies and the obviously this pairing is absolutely fantastic um so please give unsung um horrors a listen if you haven't because it is seriously just a, a great time especially um oh, one thing you do have to keep is your dream exploitation um oh, uh, episode sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i know you've done it like a few times but it's always my favorite it's just like lance i like everything <laughs> yeah sorry about that no i love thanks, it thanks lindsay for, for yeah, yeah for change it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> as it should be um and erica just like going you can't like every no it's it's it's, it's a great great it's one of my favorite yearly episodes um listening to you guys with your june exploitation which is the best of months um and that is uh shock and all for this week and we will be back with another double feature all right thanks guys bye adopt don't shop 